Hello, friends, and welcome to Men Do Disney, episode number 30, Rookie Mistake. I'm Pete, and joining me tonight is Tom. How are you? Good. We're two guys who want to help you make the most of your Disney World vacation, as well as to bring some of that Disney magic into your life every day. So put on your favorite pair of Mickey ears, lower your safety harness, remain seated until the ride has come to a complete stop, and men, let's do Disney. How about Tiger? Yeah, watching that now, which uh, Bear Trap got him again, it looks like. Not having a great, uh, having a great round today. I mean, he's he's he was in the mix going into Sunday. That's all you can ask. He's building for the Masters. Mm-hmm. So I keep telling myself. There you go. So for this week's episode, we had a friend who recently returned from a Disney trip, more of an acquaintance, I guess. And so we want to kind of discuss some of the rookie mistakes that he made on his trip, and kind of help you guys try to avoid some of those when you plan your own trips, when you go on your own trips. So, but before we get into that, uh, we're going to go as always to Tom with the news. Tom, what do you got this week? Yeah, pretty, pretty good news week as I look over it. I know I always give a little bit of a snapshot of what's to come here. Uh, we're going to start off with the rumor mill because we love, uh, love rumors around here. I think, uh, wonders of life pavilion rumors. Uh, a couple of them are, are floating around here. Um, one to start, there's been some higher-ups at Disney that have been seen going to and from this building. Uh, and that kind of leads speculation that maybe there's something here to come attraction-wise. I know they've announced that it will no longer be the event center, which it's been for, I don't know how many, I mean, quite a few. Ten no- years now. Right. And so with them moving where the events will be held to a different spot, it makes you think something has to be happening here in Wonders of Life. A couple of the different rumors we've read. Uh, one, obviously, attraction-based. Maybe in the future world overhaul, Disney wants to utilize the space again for attractions like they did in the past. Or two, and this one kind of makes sense, but but maybe not, the space theme restaurant we've referenced uh, in previous podcasts that's coming to Epcot. Could this be the location for that? I, it just seems like this pavilion is way too big to be just a restaurant. I mean, there's a lot here. Yeah, I mean, the... The like location in the park makes you think, well, because it is semi-close to Mission Space, maybe? Yeah, I, I don't know. I can see an attraction going in here, especially if they revamp Cranium Command. I mean, that just ties in so perfectly with Inside Out. Like, I don't, I don't think you could have a better match, right? So I, I can see them bringing something like that back. I don't think Body Wars is coming back in any way, shape, form, or fashion, as much as I, that kind of makes me sad. Yeah, I could see that. I'm mean, inside out. Definitely has the theming, but and this is pure speculation. We didn't even talk about this off air. But I'm starting to think. Say it is a space theme restaurant. Could they dedicate that entire building to some sort of an educational NASA type thing? Uh, maybe space related education. They could, and I think that was the initial plan for Mission Space was to have a whole lot more stuff in there. You know, that's space related. I know that they've got all the little games and all that kind of stuff after you get off of Mission Space. And I think there was supposed to be more there. And it just kind of petered out. Yeah, I don't know. I If, if you listeners have any ideas or thoughts of what could be going on here, we'd love to hear it. Uh, we're certainly anxiously awaiting it. I, I, va- I, I remember Cranium Command more so than I do Body Wars. I would love to see attractions in that space again. Absolutely. 
Moving over to Magic Kingdom. Uh, one bit of news we've hit a couple times, but just want to remind everybody. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean is going down for refurbishment to remove the bride auction scene. Uh, it looks like that start date will be the 26th, so once this podcast hits iTunes, it will already be underway. Uh, when it reopens in a few weeks, instead of a bride auction scene, uh, you'll have the same characters, just in different roles. Uh, instead of selling winches, guests will see pirates transporting stolen goods, and the redhead will now become a pirate herself, uh, complete with her own gun, which is kind of cool. Uh, and she'll be assisting them in taking items from the townsfolk. We've talked about this, not a political podcast, so we're not going to get into maybe the reasons this happened, but just want to let you know there's a change coming to one of the uh, infamous scenes in the Pirates of the Caribbean. Any comments on that, Pete? Nah, I don't want to talk about it. Okay. Hey, hopefully they don't they don't remove the scent. No, they won't do that. The but... scent of the attraction. Staying in Magic Kingdom here, a little bit of restaurant news. Pinocchio's Village House will be converted into a full-fledged buffet for dinner. Uh, multiple sources have, have reported uh, that while it is a quick-service restaurant, now they're going to be offering a buffet-style dinner service in the near future. The cost so right now is what people say, 22 bucks an adult, 12 bucks per child. Uh, it'll have all you care to enjoy, baked ziti, meatballs, chicken parm, flatbreads, desserts, and reservations will be accepted for this. Just another sit-down for Disney, and you know another, another buffet-style meal. And if you think about Magic Kingdom, Magic Kingdom's really lacking the table service restaurants, right? Mm-hmm. I can only think of a handful off the top of my head. So they probably do need some more for dinner. And that place is already tough to get into, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a tough place to get a meal at. And here's here's another restaurant change that Pete and I have been discussing throughout the week. Be Our Guest has experienced a number of changes in the recent weeks, probably starting since early February. Uh, some of it's been disposable plates that weren't actually a change. It was just they had a malfunction and had to have disposable plates, and people went up in arms about it. Uh, they, they've announced that they're going to do a a different style dinner. It'll be like a three-course meal beginning July 27th, and it'll be like an appetizer entree and then a dessert platter for yourself. It'll be 55 bucks for adults, 35 for children. Uh, and dinner here is now two credits on the Disney dining plan. And I don't know if it's going to be two credits when this starts or if it's two credits now. That's not real clear. But it's it's on the Disney website as being two credits for dinner now. Yeah, it's uh, we we, we saw a note about it and we were texting. And I, I was not under the impression that this was two credits yet. And we've done our, the most research we can. And while we do know it for sure after July 27th will be two credits, it may already be that today. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of sad. You know, I'd- we saw it coming. Yeah, I think so too. This restaurant's been consistently possible, popular, and and it's the same situation that you had with the Brown Derby at um, Hollywood Studios or and the same situ- Yeah, the same situation you had with Lacellier. The popularity unfortunately dictates how many credits it costs rather than the quality of the food or the expense. Now, this meal, you know, looking at some of the entrees that they've kind of come up with, it looks like it's going to be a little bit fancier food than they're serving now. You know, so they're not going to take this same menu that they have and just turn it into two, uh, a, two, a Disney signature dining experience. They actually are making many changes, but still this hurts a little bit. It hurts, you know, it hurts Magic Kingdom a little bit in the in the dining. Well, and, and that's something we've harped on a lot throughout episodes, right? Every time we talk about La we mention it's two credits because of where it became from a popularity standpoint. And I think that's some of the misconception that people have. Oh, it's two credits. It must be 
better food or a more expensive restaurant. In most cases, it's not. It's pretty averagely priced for a Disney dinner, which is expensive. You know, we do understand that, but and, and it's people want to eat there. I mean, it's your two restaurants that people crave to eat now in Magic Kingdom. It's Cinderella's Royal Table and it's Be Our Guest. And look, both of them are two two uh, table credits now per person. And to me, this begs the question: Okay, you've got Be Our Guest. Be Our Guest is a huge restaurant, right? Mm-hmm. Really big restaurant. Does it continue to be full now that it's a two-table service restaurant for dinner? I don't know. Personally, I would not eat there for dinner with two-table services to use that. I, I don't think I would either. Now, we've kind of made some changes and we may not suggest the dining plan anymore. But still, to me, if I'm on the dining plan, I'm not going to blow two-table service credits there. The food's got to be something really spectacular. or They've got to do something really spectacular at that restaurant to, to bring me in. For two table service credits. Yeah, the the atmosphere in there is incredible. The food is decent for a Disney park. But something's got to be... It's It's got to be even more special to cost two table service credits. And I don't think that they're going to maintain near the crowd levels. I think what's going to happen is it's going to be even more impossible to get in there for breakfast or for lunch than it is now. You're not going to be able to get in there. Because yeah, that's when everybody's going to eat. That's a great point. Uh, on our last... Vague, our, my last two trips to Disney, actually... We ate there for lunch because it's a quick service and it's you get the atmosphere. I mean, you get to walk in every room if you want to. You get to see the inside. The food is pretty good for a quick service, I, I will admit. I mean, it's probably a higher quality. You have different styles of what you can order for their quick service. And you're right, Pete. People are going to be clamoring to get in there uh, for breakfast or lunch. So who knows what this change is going to do? I, I think it decreases the attendance at the restaurant, which is, I think, what Disney wants. But I think it decreases it to a level that they don't want. Yeah, we'll see. We'll have to pay attention to it. We'll we'll uh we'll keep a report and any any I have some friends going to Disney too, so we'll I'll see if they can book a reservation and see what it looks like. Uh Hollywood Studios, this is just a teeny bit of news uh for those that do do character meet and greets and at Hollywood Studios now these are kind of important for filling your day, uh with, with the lack there of attractions. Star Lord and Baby Groot, the meet and greet was it will be ending this summer. I have no idea what's coming in after that, but this has been a popular one. People love Baby Groot, uh, and so I, I'm sure Disney will. They're going to fill us with another meet and greet. I just I don't know off the top which characters will be taking the place of those two. Moving over to some general resort news, uh, new concept art has been released for the Star Wars Hotel. Not totally sure where this hotel is going to be placed. Uh, there's been a, a few rumored locations. But Disney has now shared a few pieces of concept art showcasing what it could look like. And this is exciting. This is something that our podcast and I'm sure others were on well before it got announced. You know, We were discussing this resort for, for quite some time. And we heard about the surveys going around if people would want to stay at this resort. I think this is going to be next level when it does open. Where it opens, I, I don't know. I mean, I've heard near Epcot. I've heard right there on the edge of Galaxy's Edge. Any? Did you, did you have a chance to see the concept art, Pete? Yeah, I looked at it. I think that they have to put this either in Galaxy's Edge or right there on the edge of Galaxy's Edge because the, the whole experience ties in with Galaxy's Edge, right? Correct. Yep. So th- I don't see a way around that. Yeah, it'll be. Uh, we'll, we'll continue to follow this one. And Disney fans and Star Wars fans... Uh, are very excited to continue to see news on this. We talked about on a previous episode, I think, could this thing be movable? 
Now, I don't see that happening necessarily, but how cool would that be? That would be next level. I mean, that would that would be immersive. That would be very immersive. Uh, staying with the Star Wars theme, more general news, Disney teased us with a little photo of an X-Wing. Uh, it was an image from Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. It was a full-size X-Wing. It looked awesome. I just, it, it, amps, it amps my excitement level. I don't know if you saw the Millennium Falcon going in, did you? I did not see the Millennium Falcon going in. Yeah, they were, pieces of it were getting delivered and they were starting to install it too, so. Gosh. We're getting there. We are. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here looking. We're, we're almost uh, on the third month of 2018 here, so I mean, time's flying. Mm-hmm. I think that's uh, that's all I had. Hit, hit some high points. Pete, anything else you want to share on the news front? No, that's about it. We're excited for Toy Story Land to open. Something more to do at uh, Hollywood Studios. A little bit more to do. A little bit more to do. Uh, but yeah, that's that's. I don't really have any anything else for the news. So we'll roll right into our main topic. And what we kind of did here, again, we're going to be talking about rookie mistakes and what you should not do, how you should avoid these rookie mistakes when you go on your Disney trip, when you plan your Disney trip. And we just kind of jotted down some notes and we'll just kind of talk through these. Tom and I kind of came up with this list. Tom, we were talking about an acquaintance's visit to Disney World. And so we just kind of decided it'd be good to talk about because yeah, he was, made some rookie mistakes. It was interesting. He he uh, He's a fan of Disney, uh, just hadn't been in, in a number of years and he took his family uh, and, and he and I were discussing it and he had the travel age and he had the whole bit. And I called Pete immediately after I said, man, I just heard about a brutal Disney trip. I think we should do what we can to share uh, potential pitfalls and ho- helply, hopefully help everyone avoid those. So you said travel agent, and I think that is where I want to start. And I want to start with a couple of points on that. Using a travel agent is not bad to book a Disney trip. Provided that that travel agent knows you very well, knows what you want to do, knows your vacation style. So my first big takeaway from this is, you know, you need to do your own research. You need to not make sure you need to make sure that you're not relying on somebody else to plan your Disney trip for you because that person doesn't know you. They don't know what you want to do. I have a very different vacationing style than a lot of other people would. I try to cram as much into my day as I can. So you need to make sure that if you're working with somebody to plan your Disney trip, that they know you, they understand what you want to do, what's important to you, and that you agree with everything they're doing. You don't just kind of take them at their word for it. Yeah, that was a that's a really good point. And, and let's dive right into it. Uh, you know, in the example that we can pull from uh, and what inspired this episode, this guy used a travel agent and a lot of what the travel agent did was great. But he also kind of got left on an island when he and his family were there. And maybe once he got first through those first three fast passes, well, how do we do the rest of the day? And uh, I don't really know the best route around the park. How do I get from here to here? And and he didn't do his own research and actually missed out on a huge opportunity at Disney World. You know, he, he didn't do Animal Kingdom. And is now he was asking me, is Flight of Passage really the best thing you've ever written? Now he took this travel agent at their word, and they said Animal Kingdom's not worth it. I know the ages of his kids. This is something they would have loved. I mean, right in their wheelhouse. And to make matters even worse, his he most enjoyed soaring on his vacation. Oh, so, so he would have loved Flight of Passage. Right. And to hear him say that, you know, the travel agent told us to stay out of Animal Kingdom. It's just finished some construction. 
you know, the, the travel agent didn't tell him, oh, yeah, they just added, you know, the most popular part of Disney World. Mm-hmm. He just, you know, and, and so do your own research. Pete and I have suggestions on this podcast all the time that may not align with what you want to do. You know, when Pete's when Pete's uh, child is a little bit older, his trip will change. You know, his, it's going to change a lot. And and that's and then if he were to compare it to me and I don't have kids, my trip's going to be totally different than what he would want to do and what his family's needs are. So do your own research and find out the pace you want to go out on your vacation and what, what attractions are important to you. And, and I hate to hear the unfortunate example of one of my buddies who loved Soren and didn't, didn't get to do Flight of Passage because someone told him not to go to Animal Kingdom. And, and you're, you don't have to do a ton of research. You know, just look at what's open at the parks. Listen to a podcast. Read a couple of websites. Talk to some people that have been to Disney World before. You know, there's there's not you don't have to do a lot of research to to get to that point to where you know what you want to do. Yeah, no, I'm I'm right there with you. You know, it's uh, it, it's Disney makes it really easy now, and we could we can flow into how they've made it easy in the app. Yeah, the app yeah, is your life at Disney? We and told a story last week about the wait times and the boards that used to be up. Yep. You don't have to go back to a central location to see what your wait times are at the park anymore. You've got that app for everything. You've got that app to make fast pass reservations. You've got that app to make dining reservations. You've got that app to track your meal plan credits. Everything you need is right there in that app. Even if you don't have a map, you don't know where you're going. You haven't been to the park as many times as Tom has. You can walk around it in his sleep. You've got, an, you've got a map on your app. Everything is right there on that app. It's a, it's a very great tool. Yeah, you know, I, I highly recommend, and this is another thing, understand the functions and how to manipulate that app and what you want to look at and filter. And you, if maybe you like looking at the full map of the park or maybe you just want to see the list of attractions. I mean, there's a lot of different ways that, that app can cater to what you like. Uh, and so another rookie mistake that we hear is, I don't know how to use the app. Well, I don't you know. I didn't know there was an app. Or how do you book this on the app? Well, there's cast members littered across the park when you're there. That can help but, you with that. But not only that, if you don't know how to use that app and you're trying to, say, make a FastPass reservation, the only thing you need to, you know to do is to go to one of those FastPass kiosks, right? Yep. How much time does that waste trying to find a FastPass kiosk, wait in line, and then get a cast member to help you book a FastPass when everything is right there at your fingertips? And I'll tell you something funny on that point. Well, on our last vacation... In Hollywood Studios, there's a Fast Pass kiosk in between Tower of Terror and Rock and Roller Coaster. And I had never used one because we'd always used the app. So I just hopped on it just to see, oh, how does this work? And, you know, I'm playing around with it. I actually was getting different Fast Pass options from the kiosk than I was my phone. And my phone was better. My phone would <laughs> give me earlier times. Because you can you can say, you know, if it's the morning, you can still click the morning option. You don't just get, you know, the generic 7 p.m. Fast Pass. So let's let's talk about fast passes a little bit because I think a lot of people screw up here. And really you can tie advanced dining reservations into this as well. First rookie mistake. Not taking advantage of your window to book fast passes and advanced dining reservations. This is huge. This is one of the ones we've harped on from the or the origin of this podcast. You have to understand the windows. And use them to your advantage. What, what do you get when you stay on property versus at that time off property and uh, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, that's that's big time. Because I, that that that's how you get the rides that you really want to ride or the restaurants that you really want to eat at is 
by booking when you're first available. Right, right. And that, that sets the stage for your trip. You know, mm-hmm. when, you, when you first can access the ADRs, for example, advanced dining reservations, you're going to go after the restaurants you want and you're going to get, so say you want Be Our Guest, La Cellier, and Mama Melrose's, put you in three different parks. That, that way, you know, that day I'm in Magic Kingdom, the next day I'm in Epcot, the next day I'm in Hollywood Studios. So when your fast passes come around, you can, you have that flight, you know what days you need to slot your fast passes for. You develop a little bit of a plan. But not only that, there are people, and I have talked to these people, that have gone to Disney World and not made any fast pass reservations, not made any advanced dining reservations. How much fun do you think their trip was? And that those are the same exact people that come back from a trip and say, I didn't like Disney. It was too much waiting in line. I can tell you, I can count on one hand out of the last three or four trips that I've been on, how many times I've actually waited in line. Most of the time it was because I chose to wait in line. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a funny thing you say that. I, We haven't, we, and I, we've been fortunate. I'm, I don't want to make it sound like it's extremely easy. Uh, we've been fortunate to get the ADRs we wanted when we really wanted them. But that advanced fast pass, you're right. I mean, you, you set up your day. And you can pretty much control how much waiting you're going to do. Were there were there times on my last trip where we waited in line? Sure, fifteen minutes for Pirates of the Caribbean, well worth it. While I'm waiting on but, Jungle Cruise, but Christmas I don't consider that I don't consider that waiting in line, really. But if you can compare other, I mean, you don't you don't wait much longer than twenty minutes. You won't get in that line. No, you don't. You don't. And that ties into kind of another misconception: is well, I only get three fast passes a day. How am I supposed to not wait in line? I've heard this so many times. I I have too. People think that once they've used their three fast passes, that that's all they get for the day, which is great for me because I'm constantly rolling fast passes forward. But, you know, another rookie mistake is after you use those three fast passes, you're not instantly picking another one back up. Yeah, this is one that, and I want to spend some time on this one because it is important. And I hear people, I've heard so many, so many different folks tell me, yeah, we went to Disney. The only thing we hated was we could only get three fast passes. Doesn't that stink? Well, I didn't have the time at that moment to explain how it all works, but it's important to understand after you use that third fast pass, I mean, the second you scan while you're waiting in that fast pass line, start looking for something else. Put your party in and get the earliest next fast pass. Well, and that, that's the next point that I wanted to bring up. And so that it's kind of a good time to talk about it. Not only, not only when you're looking for your next fast pass, but when you're making your initial fast pass selections, make them as early in the day as you possibly can and make them as close together as you possibly can. That's going to give you the most opportunity to get as many fast passes as you can. Are you going to walk more? Absolutely. No question about it. But you're going to get to do a whole lot more. How many miles do we average at Disney? 15, 20 15 miles a day? 15 to 20 probably, yep. Instead of letting what's around you dictate where you go, you let what's available, and and I mean it's another great point. Kind of skipping ahead a little bit is, use your wait times, use the wait times at the park and your fast passes to dictate where you go in the park. It may seem more efficient to start in Tomorrowland, work your way all the way around Magic Kingdom, and from a walking standpoint, it absolutely is. But you're going to wait a heck of a lot more in line doing that than you would if you pulled up your app looked at the fast passes that are available, looked at the wait times, and planned your day from there. Well, I'll tell you, you know, and different parties call for different things, right? The, the family we're talking about is younger family, 
uh, our youngish family, they're all healthy, can, can move around the park. You know, they have the ability to walk those miles. And they use their three fast passes fine. The, the travel agent set them up with three good ones. I think it was Seven Dwarfs, Space Mountain, and um, might have been Splash. It was some, it, it was a really it was a good setup. But then they finished using those. They had no direction on what to do next. So their next fast pass they booked for seven thirty. So so their day at, at noon they they had a, they had seven hours where they just waited standby all day. And and to Pete's point there, don't make those make those continue to make fast passes as early as possible. The funny thing about how that thing works, people are constantly changing stuff over. You know, we we rode Flight of Passage twice. That is that is the most difficult Fast Pass to get in Disney World. And so constantly check that, refresh that, to make sure that you're not missing opportunities where you're, you know, Pete always talks about how many dollars you're spending per hour in the Disney park. Per minute, if you really want to break it down. I mean, it's it's scary. Use it wisely. And and, and this family, they tried to knock out all of Fantasyland, and then they tried to knock out all of Tomorrowland. And that's that's a cool strategy, but... You better be going to that park for more than two de- more than a day. Yeah, it's just not a it's just not a good use of your time. It's not an efficient use of your time, and you've got to you've just, you've got to understand that you may not get to ride the rides exactly when you want, but you will get you will get on every attraction. I think if that's you just a, follow the wait times. I think that's a really good point because you will watch if you watch that Disney app and goes back to one of our other the other tips we had. Understand how the app works. You'll see the waves of people. Transition out of Tomorrowland to Frontierland. You don't want to be in that wave. You, know, you well, want no. to be away from Mountain, those. If Space Mountain breaks down, guess what's going to have an hour and a half wait? Buzz Lightyear. Buzz Lightyear. Just get out of Tomorrowland. You know what I mean? It's just some of it's very common sense. You know, think about the how long that standby line is at Space Mountain. Where are all those people going? They're not walking far. They're waiting for that ride to come back up. <laughs> Another one that that we've we've talked about and. This is why we're all day park goers. Rookie, rookie mistake, underestimating the time it takes to exit a park, get back to the resort, and get back to said park, or to go between park to park. Yeah. This is a huge time killer. At least an hour. At least. Minimum. And that's walking in the room and grabbing it and walking back out of the room. That's not sitting down for a 20-minute nap. That's not taking a shower and changing. You're pretty much an hour Wait on bus, get on bus, get get there. Then wait on bus, get on bus, get back. Just with the bus lines. So this this speaks to me a couple of ways. First first is going from your hotel to the park. Say first thing in the morning. It's going to take longer than you think to get there. You're not the only one that has the bright idea to wake up and get to Magic Kingdom at rope drop. You're not. People other people are doing it. So you're going to wait in line at the ticket and transportation center. If you're at a Disney resort, you're going to wait in line to get on the bus. You know, you're going to wait in line to take the monorail, the ferry, whatever. It's really important to, to think about that and to plan accordingly. As as Tom and I say, you want to spend all day in the park. I, I Pete, I think that's a really good point. And I, I wasn't going that direction, but let's let's stay there for a minute. You're talking about when you wake up in the morning and you want to get on that bus. Say you want to be in the park at 730. And it's, you know it's a 10-minute bus ride. You don't get to the bus stop at 7.15. No, you don't. You can't. Because to, to his point, and, and I am a, I can give you a prime example now. When we wanted to go to Animal Kingdom, the, our first our second day there, first day at the resort, park opened at 9, I think. We got to the bus stop at 8.15, a little later than we wanted to, be completely transparent. The line going to Animal Kingdom, and, other, and every other park, but just specific to what we wanted, 
the girl that was the Disney cast member came back and said, "Hey, just want to give you a heads up. You're probably the fourth bus out of here." And at that point, I looked at my fiance, my mom, and I'm like, "Guys, I'll pay for an Uber. I don't want us to, you know." At that point, I can't risk us waiting four bus stops. Mm-hmm. That's that's an hour of wait. That's 15 minutes between every bus. Well, they they do up the frequency if they see lines like that, but still. But I mean, you, you had Magic you Kingdom know. waiting on three buses. You had Epcot at three. I mean, everything. To Pete's point, people want to get to park open. I mean, that's a lot of people wake up ready to go. So I think understanding that it's not just that bus drive time and maybe the 15 minute wait time you need to account for. You need to account for maybe being a couple buses behind to start the day. So there's my first point. Second point, you know, with what you were talking about. Plan ahead. Eliminate unnecessary trips. If you're going to go, you know, if you have a day planned where you're going to go to two parks, go to two parks that are close to each other. Go to Hollywood Studios and Epcot. Go to Epcot and Magic Kingdom. We got the monorail. Go to Epcot and Magic Kingdom. Yeah, it's plan plan ahead. If it's supposed to be cold in the evening, bring a jacket with you, put it in a locker, put it in a book bag, whatever. Avoid as many unnecessary trips as you can. Don't go to one park during the day and then plan a dinner at don't go to Animal Kingdom and plan a dinner at Magic Kingdom. You're just wasting time. Yeah, I, I think uh, movement around between parks or going to and from the park to the resort. And, of course, if you want to go back and take a nap in the afternoon, we're not saying not to do that. But if if it literally is, oh, man, we left the jackets in the room till we needed them later tonight, you could avoid that. I mean, there are lockers. There are you. Ca- a lot of people carry book bags. I'm one that carries a book bag. Uh, and so for those kind of avoidable trips back, you know, a nap or you want to take the kids to the pool, that's not a way. You know, that's something. That's your vacation. Enjoy yourself. But, man, we left we left that camera. You know, this camera's better at nighttime than the other one. You know, there are, there are ways to get around that. And, and staying on the, on the bus-related uh, and travel time uh, point, we talk about doing a little bit of your own research. Understand your resort layout. When we stayed on our last vacation, and I think I've probably talked about this in the Tom Does Disney episode, but we realized there were actually four bus stops. So there was the one right there at the front where you check in, and everybody at the resort knew about this one. Well, there were three more. And when I finally laid out the map, I realized, hey, we're closer to this north bus stop. And then I realized, hey, they pick up first at the north bus stop. There was nobody there. Mm-hmm. Every single morning, we maybe could leave five to ten minutes later because I knew. You just I asked the bus driver, hey, what, where is your pickups? And he said, oh, we go north, this, 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 and then we leave. Now, if we fill up before we get to the fourth stop, then we don't go to the fourth stop. Well, we figured that out real quick. <laughs> and so do in your own research, not only do research on the parks and what your family wants to do and your needs, research your resort because some of those moderates, there's multiple bus stops. Yeah. I mean, even at, even at the All-Stars, there's multiple bus stops, right? Well, well they, they kind of share. The All-Stars are, are unique because – and that was, you know, that's the example of like the – um, value resort. So we can, we can use all-star. They have buses that are specific for sports, for movies and music, but they also will do resorts. Well, sports mm-hmm. is the first stop. And so when it's a resort bus and it fills up at sports, sorry, movies and music. Yeah. We're not, we're not getting to you. So yeah, that is, that is important. You know, understand the bus stops, understand all your transportation options. I think is kind of the big takeaway there. If you can use the monorail and there's not a line, use it. I'll tell you something crazy we did. I don't know that if it netted us any extra time. And this is getting a little deeper in understanding how Disney works. We were going to Magic Kingdom. And we had been waiting for a long time. 
We had to get going. And I said, next Magic Kingdom or next Epcot bus we're taking. Happened to be an Epcot bus. Hopped on the Epcot bus, went to Epcot, hopped on the monorail to go to Magic Kingdom. Now, did we net any time? I don't know. But we were moving constantly, and that kind of helps you feel a little bit better mm-hmm. <laughs> about what's going on. And it, we, we got to ride the, the uh, and monorail. We got to ride the monorail, right? Yeah. And so uh, kind of understanding how the pieces of the puzzle work. You know, it's like when I used to drive into Disney Springs in the morning to take the bus from there uh, mm-hmm. instead of driving from the off-site hotel. Well, because you know there's not going to be a, a wait at the Correct. Disney Springs bus stop. Correct. Nobody's there yet. So I think all this to say, make sure you utilize fully the time that the parks are open. Plan your day accordingly. Get there as early as you can. Try to stay all day if you can. Because... As I always say, you break it down on a per minute basis and and look at what you're spending per minute to be at that park. And if you're not, you know, if you're riding a bus or if you're in a car or if you're doing whatever, you're just wasting time. And look, this is a vacation. I understand that. So if it's something that you you want to do, you want to go back and take a nap, you want to go back and, and sit by the pool, that's that's fine. That is your vacation. But avoid unnecessary trips. I'm right there with you. You know, I, one of the biggest things that I felt like we missed out on were park hours. You know, it, and I guess this could go into planning your trip. If you're a night owl and you like staying out going until midnight and 1 a.m., go when the park's open that late. Don't go mm-hmm. when it closes at 8. You know, I, I I can go literally from open to close until midnight. Mm-hmm. Uh, that That's how I'm built. Uh, so, you know, the, the main draw to Disney World, it, the resorts are great. The pools are fun. The food's great. But. It's going and being a kid at Disney World. And so make sure you take advantage of those park hours and understand what you want. You know, if you have little ones and they need an afternoon nap, maybe go in those summer months. You take them back, you get an afternoon nap, and the park's open late, and you still get to go back in. Yeah. Uh, another one to, on the planning front, I, I like personally to plan quick service meals, even though it's not like a reservation, it's not an order ahead in some cases. The reason I like to do it, and, and rookies may – Avoid, I don't like to be sitting there and say, oh, what are you in the mood for? And then we start, oh, well, we're in fantasy land, and we've got to get back up to Main Street and eat at, um, what's the, oh, man, it's right at the end of Main Street. Hot, Casey's Corner. Casey's Corner, you know? It's, yeah. You can save time kind of understanding what, what uh, menus and meals are different places. And, and using the mobile ordering, too. Yep. This is becoming more and more widespread. And if you can use mobile ordering, order your food, go pick up your meal. You're done. So yeah, I agree. Not only planning out table service, but but your quick service also, and your meals at the quick service if you can, will save you save you quite a bit of time. And so will eating during off hours. If you go eat if you go eat lunch between eleven and twelve or eleven and twelve thirty, everybody else is going to be eating lunch too. But if you can wait until one o'clock, or if you eat at ten o'clock, you know, whatever works for you. You're not competing with all those people, and when all those people are eating. You're also waiting in shorter lines. Uh, on, on that point, just another rookie mistake thing that, that we didn't learn and my family didn't learn until multiple times at Disney World. If you have kids, and all parents will understand this who listen, keep your kids on the same eating schedule. It's not worth pushing lunch to 3 p.m. if your kids used to eating at 12. While, yeah, you, you would avoid crowds, you will also avoid having probably a cranky child if you make sure you feed them on their schedule. True, true story. True story. So I think the last thing that I really had to talk about was Park Hopper 
and I don't I think this is maybe a little bit more than a rookie mistake. We've talked about Park Hopper at length, whether or not it's worth it, whether or not we feel like you should get it. But if you're going to Disney World for a day or two days, do you need it? You know, I, I can tell you I can share with our listeners where this is this thought's coming from. This this topic probably encompasses everything we've discussed. And it starts with our first first topic, do your own research. The family that that shared their experience with us, they didn't have Park Hopper. He trusted a travel agent, and they advised him not to get it because of the cost. This guy is perfectly capable. He could have afforded Park Hopper if he would have known what it entailed. He would have probably gotten it. But he his kids wanted to go back to other to Magic Kingdom, really, because there's more attractions there than Epcot, and their age, World Showcase, isn't necessarily in their wheelhouse at this point. He didn't have Park Hopper. And so it, we, we begged, the, you got to ask yourself the question. On a two-day trip, when you're trying to fit in everything you can, Park Harbor might be worth it. Or even on a 10-day on a trip. I think yeah, I, I would argue that it's even more worth it on a 10-day trip. Right. Because you're going to get tired of being at Hollywood Studios, and you're going to want to go back over to Magic Kingdom. Mm-hmm. I think in, as far as the rookie mistakes come, this one may really lump into doing your own research and understanding what your needs are. Mm-hmm. But do your research on Park Hopper. I mean, think about what you enjoy doing. If you don't want to sit at Hollywood Studios all day, I completely get it. I've been there. I've done the all-day thing. We did do a lot of shopping, a lot of things I don't typically do. Would Park Hopper have been nice to bounce out of there and go somewhere else? Certainly. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know really that I've got anything more to say than that. Do your own research. Know what you want to do. And don't trust anybody else to do it for you without without double-checking it. Unless you want to trust us, and and then our payment is just get us down to Disney for a couple of days, and we'll show you around. <laughs> yep. Well, cool. Well, if you've got any other, and kind of my intention with this is, look, I don't want people to come back from Disney World and say, wow, I hated that trip. It was awful. All we did was wait in line. And I think a lot of that can be avoided unless you're going Christmas Day or in the middle of the summer. Yeah. And to hear to hear this friend of mine his family's experience, they had fun. You know, he, he wouldn't sit back and tell you they didn't. But I sat there in my head and thought about all the missed opportunity he had that he didn't even realize. That he didn't know about, yeah. You know, it, it, it was a shame because he paid all this money to take his family down to Disney, got the kids out of school, wife off work, him off work. And it's like, man, you really – and I wasn't going to sit there left and tell him. a lot on him, the table. But he left a lot on the table, right? You know I mean? He had a, a situation where he had to go back and get the coats. Well – that that's avoidable. He had a seven hour window where he didn't get to book a fast pass. That that's avoidable. You know th- these are things that make people not enjoy going to Disney. And and, and you know some people just don't ask don't ask uh, for help. And keep in mind, Disney cast members are there to help you. I, I don't know that they would advise you to get rid of that seven p.m. fast pass, but I'm sure they'd say, hey, if you want to keep using fast pass, let's let's see what's available. Mm-hmm. You know you're constantly on that app and. Uh, I think all the the tips we shared with you guys today, and and they were just some quick hit tips that we feel like people could be could be missing the boat on. And if you've got anything that you've done in the past, or you want to help people avoid, or just that you can think of, you know, let us know. Tweet us, email us. We will uh, we'll gladly talk about it. So anything else, Tom? That pretty much wraps it up for me. I I think we're uh, I think we're good. Obviously, we love to hear feedback. You know, to Pete's point. If, uh, and if you and if you do like going back and getting your coat, that's cool too. 
<laughs> you know, we're not we're not out here lecturing you. We we want you uh, we want everybody to have fun at Disney, but we're mm-hmm. just uh, we're 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 trying to fill in the holes where people may feel like or may lose opportunity they don't realize is there. That's all. That's there that's it's as simple as that. There you go. Okay. Well, good. So let's go to the trivia and secret. What do we got? Yeah, got uh, gonna start with the secret. Then we'll go to the trivia. Uh, this this maybe is, is a secret a lot of people know about Walt Disney World, and I know we're a Disney World podcast, but I did want to splash some Disneyland in there when you can. So obviously we've covered in depth the Haunted Mansion episode, and uh, I don't know if we shared this secret. If we did, I apologize. But uh, and obviously in Walt Disney World's Haunted Mansion, you go into the stretching room, and the ceiling is actually moving up. So you're not moving. You're, you're stationary in place. Ceiling is stretching. However, in Disneyland, you're actually in an elevator. And so, me personally, I've never been to Disneyland. But if we have any listeners who have been, can you tell? Can you explain the difference and how how it feels? Because in Disneyland, you're in an elevator, you're actually moving down, and that's what simulates a stretching room. Uh, I thought that was a cool secret because it's the same attraction uh, in two different parks, just a little bit different uh, mechanism to give you that sensation. Uh, now we'll, we'll we will revisit the trivia question from last week and then hit this week's. We asked what Disney World attraction celebrates Valentine's Day. Every single day that's open and running. It is the Carousel of Progress. If you remember, he's talking about the birds, singing about Valentine's Day. Appreciate all the input. Uh, thanks for everybody who participated. Uh, we, we had a, a really good turnout for, for that uh, trivia question. Now, here is a trivia question of the week coming from Epcot. What are the elevators called in the Living Seas Pavilion in Epcot? The Seas with, excuse me, the Seas with Nemo and Friends. If anyone can, uh, if they, you know, without Googling or cheating, if you know the name of the elevators, shoot us an email at mendowdw at gmail.com or tweet us the answer at mendowdw podcast. Uh, we do monitor the Twitter. Need more people tweeting at us. We get the emails all the time, but would love to see, uh, see and interact with all you guys on Twitter. That's all I got for you, Pete. All right, great. Well, that's all we've got for this week. Please tune in next week for some more Disney magic. Look for us on Twitter at mendowdw podcast. If you have any suggestions, questions, or comments, please tweet us or email us at mendowdw at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. It really does help us out. Thank you so much for listening and giving us the most valuable thing you have, your time. We'll see you next week.